0: Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right back to the phones.
1: And you know, we've had a lot of some of the most prominent ice fishermen in the world on the show lately. We had Steve Panaz, we had Dave Gens, we had Bro Brosdahl. but. None more accomplished than our own Nate Zelinski right here in Colorado and all the ice fishing events he does. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing well I like and I know we're intro. gonna be t- Well, you know, every now and then I'm nice to you. Yeah. You know, don't get used <laughs> to it. But you know, but you know, seriously, you've put a lot of time in and you really have devoted a lot of to developing your ice fishing knowledge and techniques. Um I wanna talk and we're gonna talk over the next few weeks about Ice fishing. Where it's what's going on. Where what presentations? We'll talk some about that today. But while you're on, I want to start out with ice safety. You and I don't always agree on ice fishing techniques and equipment, but if there's one thing we really agree on, is how you approach the ice safely, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, Kerry. And it's one of those things that that there's there's no right or wrong. I mean, there's obviously a right, but everybody looks for a a definitive answer on what makes ice, uh, you know, suitable for fishing in or the conditions good enough to fish on. And it's one of those sports. And it's one of those things that there is no such thing. And that's probably the biggest thing that makes it a a conversation point. I can say that from fishing for myself, from fishing with my kids um, hosting an ice fishing school, which we host a lot of, and that's like a 10 person all the way up to hosting events on the ice where we have a thousand plus people, um, you know, Ice safety, I hate to say it, but it, it is absolutely one of my number one life things. Uh, I spend more time on it because of the events we host, probably than anybody around. and It's crazy uh, how much goes into it. And I, I can tell you that good ice is far stronger than I think anybody gives it credit for. But there's so much that goes into that. and. Everybody wants the definitive answer. They want you to just tell them, hey, if you got five inches of ice, you're good. Um, when in reality, there's so much that goes into to what makes ice suitable for fishing or you know, standing on and putting that weight retention on. And it's everything from thickness to quality to density to how many cracks and moisture. Um, and, again, there's not a definitive answer. I mean, because there's times when I've seen three and a half inches of ice be stronger than a foot of ice that has rot so there's a lot that goes into it and safety is one of those things that you have to always put first in anything and more importantly don't trust it for the fact that if it was good yesterday it's good today ice changes throughout the course of of a day or even throughout the course of an hour Uh, so safety is absolutely a major priority.
1: Now I did post some guidelines that are put out by Departments of Natural Resources on my Facebook page Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and it does give you those three inch five inch six inch what they'll support but as you said those are just guidelines and they're based on very good ice and my statement is always people go what is safe ice i go there is no safe ice but ice fishing can be extremely safe if you approach it properly and i think one tool that you and i both find indispensable on early ice is a spud bar
0: absolutely terry and and I, I hate to even admit this uh, on public radio, but I am an angler that has been through the ice a lot, uh, more than I would care to count, and more than I can count on one hand. Um, and I can tell you that as a younger angler, I was always the one that had to be first on the ice. I wanted to get you know, to to get fishing. I love it. I ice fishing. I live for the sport. Uh, And I used to have to be the first on the ice. And it didn't matter what I had to do. I was first out there. Um, And and unfortunately, it cost me a lot of scary encounters uh, of going through. And I can honestly tell you, firsthand honest truth since i carried a spud bar since i made that transition several years ago a good friend of ours jeff looney gave me the hardest time for never carrying a spud bar um and after the last time i went through as i was starting to grow up a little bit um you know it was one of those things that i had to take things a little more serious when i started carrying a spud bar I, I have not even had a much worse of a close encounter since i've been carrying a spud bar and to me more than anything out there than ropes and spud bars and floats uh it's all important but to me the spud bar is the number one priority piece of equipment that i carry with me at all times
1: it really is and in fact if you go to my youtube channel best of fishing with terry wickstrom i'm up at north michigan reservoir and i show approaching the lake showing different types of ice and how i use the spud bar um it's uh It's just so important. Tell people kind of how you use that spud bar to determine where you go.
0: Yeah, number one, I think the biggest thing is – you want a spud bar, I hate to say it, but it almost needs to be a little more cumbersome and a little bit larger spud bar than you, you might be used to. A lot of people carry real small spud bars. They're great for breaking up a hole from yesterday. They're great as an ice chisel. But you want a spud bar that when you slam it down, it is going to hold your weight. It's going to go through enough ice and penetrate enough ice that is suitable for you to stand on. I'm not saying you have to fish on it, but suitable for you to stand on. So, you know, I'm a 200-pound guy with all my ice fishing gear on. You know, I'm 250 pounds. You're towing a shelter. It's a lot of weight. I know that I need three inches of ice to stand. Now, I'm not going to fish on three inches, but three inches will support my weight for a very short fraction of a time. So, I carry the Jiffy Mille Lacs ice chisel. It's a heavier chisel. It's a bigger chisel. But when I slam it down, if you actually went down there and measured the ice that I, that I penetrate when I hit that spud bar down, it's a little over three inches, right around three and a quarter inches of ice that that spud bar goes through. So I know when I slam that spud bar in the ice, if it does not go through I know I am standing on enough ice to hold my weight. So now once I go out on the ice, I know I'm safe to stand there. Then I can start checking it for actual true thickness of what I want to actually fish on and set up shelters uh, and things like that. But my number one priority is at least standing. So as I walk on the ice, I am literally slamming that spud bar every step. Now, once I'm on thicker ice, uh, you know, I might stab it every couple feet. But when early ice like this, I am literally stabbing it on every step. Um, And as long as that spud bar does not go through, I know I'm I can stand um, now. The signs of that as you start getting into or at least ice right now, when I slam it down, I'm going to get big chunks blowing up off that spud run. That's because it's good, hard, clear ice. Um, if all of a sudden I'm stabbing and I'm really just leaving a chisel mark and it comes right out, that's showing signs that you're having moisture on that ice and you're starting to get rot or honeycomb. Um, and that's starting to be a negative point. So not only am I checking thickness, I can check the, the quality of that ice for how that spud bar acts when I hit it down. Um, so I'm learning a lot. And the biggest thing, if I spud, obviously if it goes through uh, and I penetrate that whole ice, I slide that spud bar out, and I immediately retreat. You know, I, I, I drop back to where I know I've already come from, where I know I have safe ice because I've been sputting it, um, and, and I retreat on that. If I slam it down, and it starts sticking. The stickiness comes from when you penetrate down, you immediately get water. So the spud bar didn't necessarily blow through, but you have water creeping into that, that chisel hole that you just made, and it makes a little bit of a sticky friction. So if I'm spudding and all of a sudden I start getting stickiness, I know I'm probably approaching three and a half or 4 inches of ice, uh, and it's time to start doing some, some major evaluations. But regardless, if you carry a spud bar of decent size, enough to actually penetrate some ice, um and you use it properly it is literally going to be the safest tool you have now again i love the idea of of carrying spikes to crawl out of and i wear a float suit when i'm on the ice and having ropes um but again for me that's all plan b because plan a is just not going through and the spud bar is the prevention tool so you have safety tools for in an emergency, and then you have the prevention, and the prevention is this spud bar. And it, it, again, it, it's life changing. And honestly, Terry, early ice like this, I love it because. For the first you know, couple weeks of the ice season, depending on where I'm at, I just use a spud bar to make my hole. If you have a good enough spud bar, a sharp, actual, good chisel, I mean, four or five strikes and I can make a hole to fish out of. And, again, I can eliminate a lot of tackles. So, number one, I have my, my safety tool, which also prevent, you know, is making my hole. So I can avoid carrying a lot of gear early season like this. So, so it's a great combination.
1: All right. I couldn't agree more. A lot on the early ice, uh, when it's just a few inches thick, I very seldom take my auger. Uh, the less weight you can carry on the ice, the more you're going to move, the more you're likely to locate fish and catch them. If, you're, if, you, if you take too much stuff with it, it gets cumbersome to move, and you're putting more weight on the ice. Let's change gears while we got a couple minutes left, Nate. What are you seeing on the lakes you usually keep track of? Are we seeing them starting to form ice? Is anything getting close? Do you have some projections for us?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, honestly, I've seen a a lot of our major fisheries, you know, cap and uncap multiple times now. Uh, Antero has been 100% capped twice uh so far this year so where it's 100% capped then the wind comes up and shreds it then it caps again then it shreds it um you know so it by no means is there ice fishing going on up there uh but it's great to see when the lake can 100% cap and then break up uh you know so a lot of times the first fisheries to really go good as far as the bigger fisheries um you know Georgetown is a great one that tends to build ice very quickly, very early. Terryall builds it very quickly, very early. Uh, I, I can tell you that I did walk out on Georgetown several weeks ago, uh, and since then it became open. Uh, I'm not sure the current condition of there. I know Terryall has ice on it. I can't tell you that I know the exact conditions, uh, more so avoiding to talk about the conditions because I still think we're pretty early. Uh, and even if I gave you a report today, it does not mean by the time you get there this afternoon or even tomorrow that those conditions would be relevant because this time of year, especially with the winds that we're having today, the, the high country is seeing winds up to 50, 60 miles an hour, um, and wind is one of the biggest absolute shredders and deteriorers of ice here in Colorado. So things are changing drastically, but a lot of those fisheries are seeing ice, and, and I think it's just a matter of, of time for a couple of good days with – maybe you know mellow winds start to really lock those fisheries up and be good and then a lot of the very high country where guys are hiking in uh, into and looking for those really higher elevation fisheries those have ice I know of a, a handful of fisheries uh, that are approaching 10 inches of ice in the extreme high country uh, so, so there, so definitely is ice fishing around uh, and more so we're just starting to have the the topics of let's start talking about it. let's start getting updates because more so than saying right now I would say in the coming weeks uh, we're gonna start presenting ourselves with a lot more more opportunities of fishable waters
1: well and i think the other thing too is in these shoulder seasons and i brought it up earlier in the show was you really have to find out as much as you can about any condition before you go because it might be open water it might be ice you don't want to show up with your long rods and no way to make a hole in the ice and get up to a lake that's frozen and have to just turn around and drive home but at the same time, if there's a, there may be an opportunity where those trout are cruising close to shore in open water, and it could be great. so you really have to be aware of the conditions. More than any time right now, you have to really be checking ahead. Nate, uh, we've got a few minutes left. What's going on with you and your schools and your cl- tournaments?
0: Absolutely, Terry. We're real excited about it. We, uh, we've we had a uh, numerous, obviously, meeting after meeting uh, with Colorado Parks and Wildlife and state organizations, uh, as well as every, I think, health department probably in the state of Colorado uh, about ice addiction this year. Uh, I can say that last week we had some absolutely amazing meetings. Uh, I think we developed a plan uh, to host events in the most faith, uh, unaffecting to the anglers opportunity uh, so I can tell you right now we're very excited we have permits in hand uh, for four ice addiction events uh, we're getting ready to release those hopefully at the end of this week uh, now we're just kind of updating our website with all of that stuff have some minor changes uh, but we will have three events in Colorado one in Utah uh, and again I, I think it's it's really great kind of a few changes that I think anglers are really gonna like uh, within the series this year so we're excited about that uh, we're in the process right now of, of finalizing all of our ice addiction, or excuse me, our, our ice schools. Uh, I can tell you the first school will be a walleye school. Uh, same thing. We've done a lot of slight changes to make sure that we can can adapt to kind of the current conditions and you know basically things set forth with health organizations to make sure we provide that safe environment. Uh, so everything right now ha- has slight adaptions but I think everything's going to be in full swing this year. So we're excited about that. Uh, and again, we're, we're working on our website tirelessly to to release that, and then we'll do we'll start doing a lot of updates on. Our our Facebook page, uh, Thailand Outdoors, as we start getting more conditions, uh, things like that. And honestly, I've had a lot of people say, you know, they, they want more conditions now. The only reason we don't post a lot of conditions because, again, by the time we post them, uh, this time of year it changes so fast, uh, things could change by the next day. And we don't want to uh, to be an information source, putting anybody on, on unsafe conditions. Uh, but as we start getting conditions that we feel are a little bit more stable, uh, we'll definitely be releasing information on all that kind of stuff. And
1: we're going to do a lot of that on this show and my Facebook page, too, as far as we hear about stable conditions, try to keep people involved. Last thing, Nate, none of us are going to be appearing at a lot of tackle shops and sports shows this year. Um, a lot of guys are turning to putting information like on Facebook Live. Are you going to be doing some ice fishing on some of your live, uh, live events?
0: Absolutely, we'll be doing a lot of live stuff just on the Tightline Outdoors page. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of live stuff on the Clam Outdoor or on, on Clam Corporation. So Clam and Ice Team are, are putting together a lot of huge lineups as far as live stuff. Uh, I'll be a part of all those. Uh, so definitely, we'll be putting a, a lot more focus on some social media, almost seminars, just to, to take place in some of the things that ha- are not going to be going on uh, this current winter or fall. So definitely, we'll have a lot of stuff, and everything can always be found on Tightline Outdoors on Facebook.
1: All right. Thank you, my friend. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Talk soon. Yeah, Nate Zelinski, always a great source. You know, a lot of when we get into ice fishing, well, year-round fishing, my YouTube channel has a lot of ice fishing that was filmed right here on Lake John and Dowdy at Red Feathers and West Lake, up at uh, North Michigan Reservoir uh, on Chatfield. We've just filmed a lot of ice fishing right around here for the TV show, and that's on The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube. We will carry a lot of information on ice fishing on the Facebook page Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. In fact, I just posted yesterday our ice thickness recommendations. Now these aren't; these are just guidelines, but but at least they give you somewhat of a guideline. We're going to take a time out. We come back. Brad Peterson is going to join us, and we're going to continue talking fishing and a little waterfall right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, the 104.3 The Fan. We've been talking a lot of fishing. We're going to talk some more fishing, but then we're going to talk some waterfall and some shotgunning. Yet today, let's go right to the phones. I I mentioned that we've had some of the most prominent ice fishermen and anglers in the country on the show over the last few weeks, but we have certainly a whole uh, a whole bunch of contributors on this show that are very accomplished, including our current guest, Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry uh it's that shoulder season we have kind of talk about it there's still going to be open water down in the front range but i haven't been hearing a lot of good things about it yet we just haven't had that cold snap boat ramps are only going to be open for a couple more weeks there'll be shore fishing but once it gets cold we'll see ice on shore that could go away and we're still kind of waiting to hear some reports on some ice fishing why don't you start by a little open water and then tell us what you're hearing ice fishing
2: Yeah, that's exactly right, Terry. You know, right now the open water fishing has kind of been a bit of a challenge. Um, With the cold weather, you would think the lakes have really cooled down, but up north, you know, Boyd and Carter and those, they haven't hardly dropped any water temperature in the last 10 days or two weeks. They're still holding in that 47-degree range. And it's really kind of the shad are – up and and they're moving around a lot when the water temperature is nice and you get the nice days we really need a good cold snap to really school those fish up and push them all to their fall structure so you know if you're going to be out open water fishing right now i would say the big thing is do some sort of presentation that you're covering water and move and look around whether that's you know pitching jerk baits to the shoreline uh, trolling uh, if you're out trout fishing, you know, spinners or spoons or, or small little rapala of minnows stuff that you're going to be able to cover some water. Cause those fish right now up North seem to really still be on the move. And as soon as we get a good cold snap, they should settle into exactly their fall patterns. But, um, right now it definitely is a bit of a challenge. So don't feel bad. If you're having a tough time, uh, but, uh, you know, it's still worth going out there because the fall is always one of the prime opportunities to catch some of the biggest fish of the year. So you may not get many bites, but it potentially could be a fish of a lifetime. Oh, you're absolutely
1: right. Let's transition a little bit now. I know you keep track of a lot of the the places up north and up into elevation. The mountains have been a little colder, although not as cold as maybe we think. Where are you seeing places like red feathers Dillon, north michigan you seeing anything going on in those kind of places
2: <laughs> you, you know they're they're catching a few fish open water uh the ice is still a little winds away the one thing that i would mention um that people as they start to think about going up into the hills and for ice fishing is anywhere that there has been a fire there's going to be closures because of hazards in the area and some of these lakes it may be months or it may be springtime before some of the access is to some of the bodies of water will be open and so i'm thinking like your your bel Air, your chambers uh um, your joe Wrights, all those lakes up there and the ones up over by Granby where the fire was before you go out planning to fish those definitely get on the websites and figure out what access is open and what isn't because like bel air up there in the red feather area is closed but west parvin and dowdy are open and so you could be you know and they're not more than about 10 miles away so you could be in one area where you're able to get access to bodies of water and just a, a couple miles away the other way you lose the access so i'd hate someone planning a big long trip up there and um you know, and not being able to get in. I am hearing that Dillon, the Snake River Arm, is starting to get some ice on it. It isn't quite fishable yet, but um, it's almost to the parking lot for those that have been up there. And, you know, the other one up in that area that usually gets ice pretty early is Georgetown. And the one thing I would say about Georgetown is be really careful about that neck down area where the road goes over and you have the bridge there's always current in there and so the ice right there is a little bit thinner but those are two areas on that i-70 corridor that get ice early and then if you're going up to 14 you know you and i have talked about it many times i know you've got a youtube show on it but north michigan is sure hard to beat first thing of the year and um north michigan and lake john both of those usually freeze pretty early right around thanksgiving time and then Red Feathers is usually about that first week of December. So we're we're not far from having ice up in the hills. And uh, if the bite's not good and you don't want to go chase the open water fish, I tell you what, it's a good time to kind of get your ice gear ready because it's going to be here soon.
1: Yeah, I want to talk just a minute more about that, Dylan. A lot of people who are new to ice fishing um, might not understand that, you know, there's ice fishing on Dylan for char and for that. But when you're talking about that snake inlet, you're actually talking about a um, a migration of salmon that people catch. They're not huge, but it's really popular, and people do well there, don't they?
2: Yes, they do. And, you know, and you've got a chance to catch some of the char and rainbows in there. But uh, it's predominantly people are mainly up there chasing those those salmon. And it's one of the the few places, you know, there's a couple spots on Granby. Uh, if it freezes over early, some of the coves get some some real good early kokanee uh, ice fishing. But, um, yeah, that's that's what people are targeting up there. And the one thing I would tell you is your bright oranges and your bright pinks seem to be the hot colors for those salmon. So get up there, and it can be an early morning bite from, you know, sunrise to... You know, nine in the morning. So get up there early so you don't miss the bite, uh the best bite up there. And you can, there are times you can get into you know twenty, thirty fish in a day pretty easy up there.
1: And and you think I would think, and you kind of alluded to it that Red Feathers, North Michigan, we're Lake John. We could be as little as a week away, but certainly in a couple weeks we should see some ice. If you are going to head up and try to open water fish in those areas, really check because the ice might be. Even if you can't get out on it, it might be a, a not allowing you to fish from shore. I know one other thing you and I like to mention this time, too, is if you're going to put your boat away, try to get some stabilizer in it. Either run it up on the lake or at least hook a hose to it and run it.
2: Yeah, that's, that's really important. You know, take the time. Your boat is, is not a cheap piece of equipment at all. And all it takes is a couple hours of a little bit of maintenance to do it. If you aren't taking it into the shop. You know, go put some stabilizer in it. This week we're going to have some warm temperatures. Just take it out in the lake. You know, run around a couple times. Make sure you get all the, the old fuel out of the system and the fuel that is left in the motor is uh, is has been stabilized. And then I like to, when I pull out of the boat ramp, I get to the top of the ramp and I stop. I pull my drain plugs and it, it leaves the boat on the on the ramp there. I hit all my pumps just to make sure that whatever water's in there gets drained out. And then um, if you're comfortable with it, you know, go change your lower unit oil. It's a fairly simple process. But that way, if any moisture got in there, it's not going to freeze. And, uh, you know, those are kind of the basic things you can do on your own. And if you, if you don't want to do it on your own, there's a lot of great marinas around. Um, I do a lot of stuff with Crowley Marina right down there in Denver. But, you know, you can take it in and get it winterized. But just don't neglect your boat in the fall, and it will make a big difference in the springtime when you're ready to go. The last thing you want to do is have a maintenance issue that's keeping you from the water.
1: One last thing, and i just take a couple minutes. I know you've been out waterfall hunting. What's going on with the waterfall in Colorado?
2: You know, actually, I'm uh, sitting in a duck blind right now, but uh, – We have had a push of birds in with that last uh, snowstorm, but then a lot of the ponds reopened, so the birds have spread out. Uh, But there are birds around. The wind's kind of really moving the birds good today. And so spend a little bit of time scouting, and you can get into good ducks. The goose numbers are just phenomenal. Goose season in the northeast, uh, if you're east of Highway 85, is open. There's snow geese out by Pruitt, a lot of lesser geese, and the north front range season opens next Saturday. And I tell you what, the number of geese I'm seeing in this area reminds me of late December, early January. We are way above our normal numbers for this time of year. So I think opener next weekend for goose hunting is going to be phenomenal, and it looks like a little front's going to come in, so that should also make the duck hunting uh, good as well. So we're right here at the kind of prime time as soon as our weather decides that fall is going to come and stay. um, The waterfowl hunting should just, you should have a good, you know, two weeks to a month of waterfowl hunting while the seasons are open.
1: All right. We got to run. If people want to go hold you, Brad, for more information or book a trip, how do they find you?
2: You can find me at Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook, or you can give me a call at 303 829 3998.
1: All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks, right, Brad. Take, We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Uh, JR is going to join us from Colorado Clays, and he wants to ask you what if all that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. Out in the back seat of my 60 share. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear getting people outdoors for over 65 years, whatever you do on the outdoors, Jax has it. Let's go right to the phones and uh, joining us from Colorado clays, our favorite fisherman, Jr. Pierce. Good morning,
3: J.R. Good morning, Terry. I know where you're going with it. <laughs>
1: I, I'm just, I'm leaving it there. I'm, we're going to talk shooting.
3: Okay. okay. Let, let's do that for now. Yep.
1: <laughs> hey, you and I talked earlier and, We're talking about the person sitting at home or coming out and they're going, you know, like, what if I'm a new shooter? What do you have to offer me? Let's go through some of these what-ifs. What if I am a new shooter? What do you have to offer me at Colorado Clays?
3: All right. Well, here's the thing, Terry. So if you're a new shooter or even someone that just has a rifle, a pistol, a shotgun, and you're looking for a place to go do some recreational, competitive, or preparation shooting – uh, of course, Colorado Clays is Colorado's premier public shooting facility. Uh, we feature the finest in rifle, pistol, trap, skeet, wobble traps, sporting clays, shotgun patterning, training areas, and much more. Uh, of course, we're open year-round, and being a public shooting range for the past 24 years, uh, we offer all of this to the people of Colorado with no memberships or reservations required. So the beauty of Colorado Clays is that everything we offer is at everyone's uh, disposal all year round. So it's uh, just a simple call away to get you set up.
1: Well, what if if I just don't know how to get started or what to do? Can I get help?
3: Oh, absolutely. So here's the thing. Um, With Colorado Clays, we offer um, so many different programs classes courses and uh, and opportunities for people whether they're a beginner or um, experienced Um, these these clinics and instruction can basically take your marksmanship skills to the next level and one thing about Colorado clays versus pretty much anything else you can get is that our staff are our primary resource for this information. So even if you came out, just check in, look the place over, talk to our staff, set up an individual class, uh, look what we have coming up, whether it's concealed carry, whether it's sight-in clinics, whether it's individual instruction, uh, that is all available to everyone here all the time. So it's just the perfect starting point for anybody.
1: What if I'm a shotgunner? and I consistently have trouble with one type of shot, what can you do for me?
3: Well, uh, of course, Terry, you know, we've talked about this many times. There's a process to go through uh, for for anybody shooting, and that is to first make sure our gun is shooting where we're looking, aiming, pointing. Uh, Set up some time with an instructor. Go down, start skill appropriate, establish good fundamentals, and then progress at the rate that you need to, Uh, do not overwhelm yourself. Once we get you to a certain level, then we will send you out on more advanced targets and find your weaknesses and focus on them. So this is the process to become a better shooter. Uh, We see it all the time, folks go out, overwhelm themselves, fall out of good shooting habits, and just go backwards. So there is a process, Um, it's very established, and uh, we definitely have the right people to help with that at Colorado clays.
1: What if I don't know if my gun is shooting right?
3: Well, uh, again, that's why we start where we did. So the pattern area, the shotgun pattern area, we, we literally go up, put up a sheet of 42 inch square cardboard, put an aiming point, take you up there, pick a range and using a good stance, gun mount, sight picture and trigger squeeze, have you take a shot. This will establish that the gun is shooting correctly. If it's not, perhaps it's shooting high, low, left, or right, then gun fitting or adjustments to the gun may need to be made in order to get the gun shooting where you're looking. So it's always the very first step, whether you're beginning or got a new gun or just want to reestablish the fact that um, you're shooting where you're aiming.
1: What if i just want to try shooting but i don't know if it's for me can i rent a gun
3: absolutely so colorado clays has a fantastic fleet of browning satori rental guns um just by simply calling out and it's best to reserve them on the weekends because they are very popular but yeah we have rental guns and uh we'll always go over gun function and uh how to use our equipment safety rules and stuff with anybody that has not shot with us before so it's really the perfect place to come out, and particularly if you're wanting to try the over-under-style shotgun. we got a lot of folks that have been their whole life shooting pumps, semi-automatics, and they haven't made their mind up if they want to do an over-under-style gun. Well, this is the perfect place to come try that gun, enjoy some recreational shooting, and make some decisions and you know, learn some stuff about guns and yourself.
1: What if I have an event I want to put on or a group I want to take shooting?
3: Well, nobody does it better than Colorado Clays, Harriet. I've told you that. Uh, by simply calling out or email, you can schedule an event of any size. So, we're talking anything from friends and family, including uh, family reunions, bachelor, or bachelorette type parties, birthdays. Uh, we do all of that. And then, of course, if you have a business group or a corporate type thing. So, often we have small groups of folks from Different businesses come out, uh, either associates, um, co-workers, uh, perhaps customers, and do little group events like that. And, of course, larger-scale corporate events that incorporate uh, big businesses and big numbers of people, Colorado Place can certainly handle that. And that also falls into our fundraising-type stuff. So whatever... Your needs, whatever size you need, Colorado Clays has been doing this forever. And we can certainly, with just a phone call or an email, get started looking at dates and do things right and uh, uh, show you how we do it at Colorado Clays.
1: What if I'm in a panic all of a sudden because fourth rifle season is about to start and I haven't sighted my gun in?
3: Well, fortunately, uh, Colorado Clays is here. We are open to the public, like I said. So the beauty of our facility is that you can literally uh, come out, check in at our clubhouse, go on down, um, get in our rifle range, which is a state-of-the-art facility featuring that video viewing system, and do your sight in in real time with no spotting equipment required. Uh, we do have a variety of types of rests, and then probably the most valuable asset is going to be the fact that you're working with uh, lifelong professionals who are going to be there we have an rso on staff all the time and their expertise is invaluable when it comes time to sighting a rifle
1: what if i get these annoying pictures of large fish from somebody who doesn't call me till after he's gone
3: then you need to go ahead and schedule a lesson i mean what else would you
2: do i
3: couldn't pass that one up terry so
1: are you guys uh for the most part you're open year round, right?
3: We are a year round facility, Terry. We uh we are closed on Tuesdays, which is a good day for me to go fishing, obviously. Uh but yeah, we're a year round facility. Uh the only closures will be some holidays, perhaps some event things, and then of course always in the interest of safety, we watch weather and such. But uh, a simple phone call can establish whether it's the right day. But we're here all year, and we welcome everyone to come see us for sure.
1: All right. My friend, if people need more information or want to get a hold of you, how do they do it?
3: Give me a call, 303-659-7117, or send a, an email to uh, com. Go to our website. Take the virtual tour. Um, but certainly you know, put us put us on the agenda, and we'll take care of everything you need.
1: And people can come out any anytime and just kick the tires and look around, right?
3: Certainly. Uh, we welcome that. And a lot of folks do uh, come out, check in at the clubhouse, take a tour of the range, uh, see what things uh, you want to bring with you. We got it all covered.
1: All right, my friend, we will get out. I'm going to get you out on the ice this year.
3: Let's do it, Terry. Um, we'll do round two. I'm ready.
1: All right, my friend. You have a good rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. J.R. Pierce from Colorado. Clay. Just great people out there. We just so enjoy everybody out there. They really treat you right. They're just nice, nice people, like all the partners on this show. But we have some really good partners on the show that we love. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back. We'll wrap things up here on Terry Wicksham Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're going to wrap things up here. Um, We talked a lot of ice fishing today, and we're going to talk a lot more over the next few weeks. Of course, we'll always cover a variety of topics. There's still open water fishing. There will be all winter, and we won't ignore that. There's going to be hunting opportunities, and of course always a lot of interesting outdoor information for everybody to kind of help enhance their outdoor activities. But on the ice fishing front, Really, this is a great time to take advantage of my Facebook and my YouTube channels. On the Facebook page just yesterday, I posted some guidelines for ice safety. Now, these aren't hard-fast rules, they're just guidelines, but there's something you should go look at and share with other people, okay? On our YouTube channel, uh, we have, there's got to be a dozen ice fishing shows on our YouTube channel, a number of which were filmed right here in Colorado. We've got one at North Michigan that shows what uh, Nate and I were talking about, how to use a spud bar to check the ice safety. It also puts on a clinic on using electronics while you're ice fishing. I had another one on, clin- on using electronics at Dowdy where I used a GPS to locate a spot and use my electronics to fish. We've got Lake John where I show you in a non-portable shelter how to use a type of technique, an active presentation to call in a fish where you wouldn't get it otherwise just passively fishing. So we cover so many. We have walleyes at Glendale. We go uh, jigging spoons for them. So we have just a variety of ice fishing filmed right here in your backyard, in addition to shows with people like Dave Bob Brozdal, Greg clajo up in the Minnesota area sharing tips and techniques. So there's a ton of ice fishing information on the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And on Facebook, I'll probably repost a podcast of Nate and I today with the uh, safety information. I think that's so important. We'll put that on our Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll tell you what's coming up in the next few weeks. We'll go back and cover some of the topics we've covered. We'll put links to podcasts and links to um, links to other information like on our uh, YouTube channel, and we'll put links to articles I've written on ice fishing over the years so you can go review those. So we're going to have a lot of information. So follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Follow us right here at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on the fan every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. I want to say thanks to Kyle for keeping this running with these situations where we broadcast remotely. Thanks to Karen for setting it all up and the communications they bring us. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and the Masters Golf Tournament on 104.3 The Fan.